Nutritionists love lean meats, but why? In this episode, I'm joined by Danny Lenavi, a vegan activist who is currently studying for their master's in nutrition sciences. And together, we'll cover the following main themes. One, how Danny first went vegan to be popular and impress a high school crush. But spoiler alert, they didn't actually stay vegan, at least at that time. Two, we'll talk about the myth of the complete protein. And three, We'll discuss the scientific reasons as to why dietitians and nutritionists love lean meats and how to reason about this as a vegan. Hey, and welcome to the Friendly Veg Podcast, where we explore the social side of being vegan. I'm your host, Serena. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get into my conversation with Danny, I want to give a shout out to Ridge2304, R-I-J-D-2304 who left a comment on the YouTube video for episode 15 titled, Did Going Vegan Give Me Social Anxiety? In their comment, Ridged2304 said, I love her transparency. This may sound cliche, but I found mindfulness meditation to help me with this, as it taught me to not identify as vegan or anything in particular. I'm simply me with the vegan diet I have. I was using a book, 30 Days to Reduce Anxiety, by Harper Daniels that was helpful for learning mindfulness for myself, and I realized I was identifying too much with my lifestyle and diet, and when I let go of the labels, I felt very free. I no longer say, I am, I just say, I prefer to eat, or I just say, no thanks, haha. (laughs) Saying no as a person with a vegan diet has also helped me get strong with boundary setting. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ridged2304. I've added that book by Harper Daniels to my reading list, so yeah, looking forward to learning more about how to reduce my anxiety in 30 days. Now, if you would like to support me as well, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or a comment on YouTube. Thank you so much. And with that, let's get into my conversation with Danny. My name is Danny Lenavi. I'm 23 years old. I'm from Miami, Florida, currently living in Tallahassee, Florida. And I've been vegan for three and a half years now and an animal rights activist. I have a bachelor's in dietetics, hoping to be a registered dietitian that will help the average person go and stay vegan by adopting plant-based habits that work for them. So I do a lot of activism, not a lot, but I would say once a month, I write articles on my newsletter, Vegan World Now, showing that the world is becoming vegan. And also I um, take coaching clients on the side. It's a bit down low right now because I'm also a student um, getting a master's degree in nutrition science. Pre-vegan, what was life like for Danny and what was your view on veganism? I first went vegan at 16. So I'm 23 now. So this is a lot more than three years ago. So I feel like there's some context to that. So my thoughts on the world were limited. You know, I'm 16 years old. I don't know jack about the world. It wasn't until I met my first high school crush that that would change. And it's not so much of like an inciting, you know, one-off like pinpoint moment, but more of a story. So at 15 years old, I took acid for the first time. And it was during this trip that I realized that I was a bad person. I was not empathetic. I did not listen to people. And I felt like I was a parasite. And throughout my teenage, adolescence, tween years, I was either bullied myself 
or doing the bullying. So no one really liked me. <laughs> and all I wanted was to be liked. That's all I wanted. And because I felt like a lot of the bullying directed at me had to do with my my size. I was much bigger growing up. I felt like one of the first controllable things I can do to be a better person was to lose weight. And that's what I did. I lost the weight. And on this journey of weight loss and, you know, studying nutrition and things like that and working out a lot, I met this awesome girl, 10th grade chemistry class. She sat behind me. It was the first and only class that ever failed because all I did was talk to her. So it was a very important, pivotal moment of my teenage years. And she had all the qualities I liked in people. You know, she was cool. She was like alternative, mysterious, but also righteous and, you know, willing to do the right things. So of course, she was vegan and she was I think 17 and I was 16 at the time. And before that, I didn't know anything really about veganism. She told me to watch this documentary, this health documentary, Forks Over Knives. So you can see here, the pieces are coming together with this whole weight thing. And I watched it that same very weekend and I became vegan shortly after. But it wasn't for the environment and it certainly wasn't for the animals. It was for health to continue to lose weight. I went vegan for a year. I did exactly that. And it was during this time that I did lose weight. I saw some success, but I, I plateaued, you know, after, after, you know, a few months as you do. And I still remained vegan for, for that year. And during that time, I had a lot of like seeds planted in me by her and by things I was reading about, you know, you have to read and do a lot of research when you make this change. So I saw a lot of things about the environment and the devastating effects that animal agriculture has on the environment. Of course, we all know this. Those seeds won't be watered until later. So after that year, I jumped from one diet to the next and I went keto. And it's funny because now I have a newsletter about veganism but back then, I had a blog about the keto diet. I'm not kidding. It's contrary to carbs wow. on tumblr.com. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'll have to look it up. A Tumblr. A Tumblr. Nice. It is a relic. Love the throwback. It's a relic of the past. <laughs> and it's kind of cringe to look at nowadays. But I was just... It was just the pendulum swinging. And, you know, keto made me even more isolated than I already was. And it also made me very constipated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no fiber Brutal. in that, in that, that, yeah. So like from a lot of fiber to like no fiber. So that was, that was pretty bad. And I could only do it for like six months, but I still wasn't satisfied. You know, I was working out seven days a week, six, seven days a week. And I was like 120 pounds, 118 to 120 pounds. I'm 5'11", by the way, I was shredded. So my friends saw me as this like health guru, but inside, I still hated myself. I still hated how I looked. I didn't feel small enough. I didn't feel strong mm -hmm. enough. I didn't feel good enough. I developed multiple eating disorders, anorexia, binge eating disorder, bulimia. And all of this, I thought, was a hack because while I didn't have to be keto, I didn't have to be vegan, I could eat whatever I want so long as I just threw it up. And I did this for a while 
until, you know, you're getting headaches all the time and you have to take a, a copious amount of drugs to fall asleep. It just, it just doesn't add up. So then I did the most sustainable thing that I could, which was go pescatarian. And I did that for like two years over the next two years. I would, I would eat fish, flesh, eggs, and dairy cow secretions. And I would do that like semi-regularly during this diet, but I didn't do it very often because still in the back of my head, like was this, you know, environment thing like, hey, you're killing the earth by doing this right now. But when you're thinking so much about your own size, that easily gets pushed away. I decided somewhere during this time to really water this seed of environmentalism. And I watched Cowspiracy. And that did not turn me vegan fully. I started reading ingredient labels, not for the macronutrients, but for like animal products. I would say if somebody looked at me from the outside and didn't take a look in my fridge, they would probably think I was vegan just because I would order vegan options at restaurants now. Like I no longer like made exceptions and going out and stuff like that. One of those people who presents vegan, but really isn't vegan. And I think most of us vegans listening, yeah. we know people in our lives who are like that. I'm thinking yes. of a few people in particular. It's kind of <laughs> funny how that's like a archetype. <laughs> right. It is because you, you feel like you're doing the right thing, but you're not the right person. And being vegan is like a, a state it's a it's a state of being in a way it's why i tell people to be vegan and not go vegan but oh, i love that but you have to go vegan to be vegan you know what i mean like so mm -hmm. yeah it's like the in-between maybe but yeah <laughs> so i was that person and i was vocal about it too you know like hey your choices are impacting the planet like what are you doing why are you eating that you know that it's wrong but i was inconsistent and I think the YouTube algorithm kind of understood that and started showing me, Reddit too, started showing me like more vegan related stuff. And I started seeing watchdominion.com, 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 like just everywhere. And like over time, and you know, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I knew what it was sort of, but I was not prepared. Of course, I don't think any of us were. I was mortified. And this was in, this was in late December of 2019. And since watching that, I said to myself, I'm going to go vegan. And I'm going to go vegan very soon. I didn't go vegan right away. Because I had a New Year's meal that with my godparents at the time that had animal flesh involved, and I didn't want to make a fuss about it. And I'm just like this new vegan, like, so I, I made this one last exception. January 1st, 2020, I went vegan. Since then, I have been vegan, but I don't, I don't consider myself, I didn't consider myself vegan until like I was a state of being until November mm -hmm. 27th of 2020. So 11 months later, when I watched Dominion with my partner for the second time, the first time mm, I see I was angry right? Like we feel angry at these atrocities. But the second time I was able to look at it with a fresh set of eyes, understand what I was seeing, but not from my perspective, from the perspective of the victims. And I feel like that's when you're really vegan. 
when you when you understand that humans are the oppressors and the animals are the victims and that there's no exception that can there's none of that will ever be made one ever again because that's like it's like you would never say i'm okay with beating my wife once a once a month once a year once ever Mm -hmm. it's never okay and i feel like that is when i was when i was truly went vegan that was the inciting moment right there and ever since then my activism has just gradually ramped up where i could find time so that's the story i would say that was a great story i was captivated the entire time truly oh and wow great so dominion i actually haven't watched it i've definitely wow. seen watched dominion.com yeah i'm sort of kind of scared and i do know that i have a few non-vegan friends who listen to this podcast so for their benefit and for everybody else what is dominion about it's an account of what the animals go through, but every animal that's wild, widely used for entertainment, for food, oh God, or for testing. Horrible. So it just it just goes one after the other: cows, fish, sheep, chicken, bunnies, ducks, all all of the foxes. I think even all of these all of these animals that are exploited by humans mm-hmm. in one way or another. And it just shows you how. And it does so very cinematically. From from a cinema film perspective, it's a good film. Like it's I think a I've captivating watch. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like it's I've watched it many times now. And this it's, I've watched it three or four times now. And like the music is really compelling. Like it, it makes you feel stuff. Like even when they're not showing animals, like when they're just showing like the farms and it's like the 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 like the drum beats and you're like whoa like it makes you feel like there's a sense of scale and Mm. there is but um if you're looking for a shorter watch there's don'twatch.org which is eight minutes so not not two hours (laughs) but yeah it just kind of goes over the same things but just like really fast Okay, cool. So yeah, next time to my two friends who are listening, I think they know who they are. I'm going to put on don'twatch.org, is it? And I'm not going to tell you that we're watching and then it's going to be over before you. (laughs) I don't think they're going to like that very much. They're going to be like, what the hell, Serena? (laughs) Maybe so, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. We'll see. But yes, this is great. Love your vegan Genesis story and the point about being vegan rather than going vegan. And what I think is really interesting is that as you said, everything was driven by sort of this desire to be popular and very driven by diet. So as you said, yeah. you tried this plant-based diet, keto diet, and then you also, yeah, thank you for sharing about your struggle with your eating disorders and the various manifestations of it. I know it's hard to talk about that sort of thing, but I think it's something that a lot of people do struggle with, vegan or not. And this Before all... you ask your question, Serena, yeah. I do have to say for all the audience members... You can be vegan and still be in recovery from an eating disorder because being vegan is not about your food choices. It's about how you see animals and your food choices are an extension of that. So while many people, including myself, used veganism as a tool to perpetuate their eating disorder, it doesn't have to be that way. And... Some people cannot cut everything out immediately, and they're going to require that slow transition um, during their recovery process. But 
I, I constantly hear that. And I just needed to say that like people will use their eating disorder as an excuse to continue to pay for animals to die. And I don't, yeah. I don't think that's right. I, I, I feel like that's, it's almost like when people say, you know, I, I have autism. I'm sorry. I sexually abused your partner. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. like when people m make excuses based on their mm -hmm. um, disorders, but you know. And I think when it comes to having a healthy relationship with food, if anything, at least from my perspective, being vegan helps me maintain a positive relationship with food. Because as I like yeah. to say, every meal is an opportunity to do something good for the animals. Yes. So even if I am feeling negative about my body image or relationship with food or whatever might happen, I know that I'm still doing one thing positive by choosing a vegan or choosing a plant-based meal. You feel empowered. It is empowering. It like, is. I Every, love being vegan. Once a day. Yeah. yeah once yeah. A, three times at a day. At least once a for day. Most, yeah. At least yeah. once a day. You have, <laughs> we have the opportunity to change the world. It blows my mind that, that people cannot see that. People will give lip service to different social movements, but they won't do the actual thing that you can change right here, right now. Yeah. It's the easiest thing. Like in my day job related to investments and machine learning and stuff, we talk about this concept of sort of, this is getting kind of technical, but the number of bets you, you can take. So if you have a portfolio and you're trading stocks and let's say you have some sort of algorithm, you think your algorithm is pretty good. If your portfolio is just five stocks, that's only five times that you can make that algorithm take a guess. But if your portfolio right. is like 3000 stocks, then you, you have just a much higher chance of at least once being correct. So I like to think of that concept in terms of the number of bets you take, the number of actions you take, and really just how frequently you take an action when it comes to trying to make an impact on the environment or like, I guess the environment as an example, because a lot of people seem to care about the environment. I just think, don't. why not go vegan, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they Every don't. single day you're going to eat. That's the most frequent thing that you do. That's more frequent than flying on a plane. That's more frequent than getting in a car, even going on a bus, taking public transit, like just eat plant-based, go vegan. It's so easy. Yeah. It's easy for most people just... I feel like the hard part comes when you're like four months in and you realize, shit, my friends mm -hmm. aren't, my friends aren't vegan. Exactly. And that's where, that's where your activism comes <laughs> into play. And that's where I, that's where I love because people don't talk about, talk about that enough. Like the hard part about being vegan is not the food, but it's, it's not being able to partake in the same environments in the same experiences that all of our friends do but if everyone went vegan then this problem wouldn't exist mm -hmm. so i, I think totally people just agree. need to make more bets yes make more bets make more <laughs> educated bets and just a note for listeners i think danny you I, I think agree with me on this but in terms of the definition of vegan when we say or when i said it's so easy to go vegan I'm thinking about and I'm talking about the sort of intention behind being vegan. As you said, it's a state. It's not something that you have to be perfect at. All of us, we have different circumstances where maybe we will have to use something that has an animal product or has come from an animal product. But as long as our intention is to always be in this state of being vegan, then you are vegan. I think a lot of people also will slap down the argument of or the idea of veganism by saying oh but i can't be vegan because my work requires me to wear leather boots it's like okay well you can be vegan just 
if you have to wear a certain uniform for work, that's fine. Yeah, you like know? I don't know. And people will people will say that too and they won't understand like they'll just they'll just see it as a rule, not okay, why why are we actually against leather boots? You know exactly. what I mean? Like they'll just see it as a rule and they'll say I can't do this rule. But mm-hmm. it's not always so black and white. It's a guiding principle of how you live your life. Yes. Going back to how you first went vegan, it was very tied to diet. I think it's really interesting that now you are studying dietetics. As you told me, I was calling it dietics. And yeah, Danny kindly corrected me. And I don't want to sound stupid. So dietetics, that is what you're studying. Is it in, in fact the case for you that your program is, has been very like animal centric? If I got a dollar for every time I heard the term lean meats, I would be a millionaire. Oh. I would be an absolute <laughs> millionaire. This this journey kind of like coincided with me choosing a degree. Mm. And so because I was it was 2020, so it was the year that I had to make a decision because I didn't know whether I wanted to do dietetics or environmental science. But I figured that the probability of me working for a company that all I'm doing is trying to help them pollute as much as possible while staying in regulation Mm -hmm. (laughs) is much higher with an environmental science degree. Whereas I felt like with a degree in nutrition, I can go forward in my own path. And throughout like all that time, you know, struggling with eating disorders, struggling with size, my weight, what I ate, I, I learned a lot. And it was genuinely fascinating how, how much food impacts not just you know like the way we see the world like we're talking about it now but also like our mood and our memory and so many things so many problems that i feel like people will go to their their therapist for and they'll get prescribed an antidepressant when i'm over here like where are the vegetables <laughs> what what fruits are you eating you're not eating any of those things of course of course you're going to feel depressed you you're going to feel awful and when you eat, not not vegan, but plant-based, you know, like, because veganism is not a diet. So when you eat, mm-hmm. like, primarily whole food plant-based, it's like seeing the world in color. When you've been watching TV in black and white all your life, you don't want to go back to that. You just don't want to do that. And I feel like when, more, when most, more people understand what that world looks like, you know, with good diet, good exercise... A lot of problems would be would be would be solved. A lot of mental health problems, specifically. So that's why that's why I decided to pursue this, uh, despite that it being so meat centric and it makes me sick. Like it makes me sick every time I hear that lean meats thing. Like I don't want I don't want a dollar. I, I want I want a bowl of beans when I hear <laughs> that because that is the true lean protein is is beans. They have their reasons for constantly recommending this. And, you know, after studying for so long, I do understand them. I'll never agree with them though. So Hmm, that's interesting. So what are their reasons? Taste, convenience, and efficiency. Two of these reasons, taste and convenience, are the same BS excuses that most non-vegans give for not being vegan. Oh, it tastes too good. Oh, it's too convenient. In a clinical setting, these things matter more <laughs> because um, in a hospital, we have to feed thousands of people and a lot of them are malnourished. 
while they're there, you want them to be as nourished as possible so they can recover as quick as possible. So you can bring someone else in to help or if you want to look at it more cynically to make more money, like flipping tables at a restaurant. Right. <laughs> and so a part of this is taste. If the food doesn't taste good to a mass amount of people, they're not going to eat it. They're not going to get nourished. They're going to stay in the hospital for longer. It's going to cost more money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the food needs to taste good. And when you're living in the South, like I am right now, a lot of the food just revolves around meat, lean meats for chicken breast, things like that. And people like that. And that's what people can eat when they're sick. It's also very easy to prepare. It's very convenient to, to just put a chicken breast on, on the pan and make thousands of them in a day. Very easy to do that. Uh, much harder to make, you know, many different pots of chili with different spices to make it taste appealing or to use something like textured vegetable protein. It's much, much harder to do that. The next reason, efficiency, I feel like is a bit more like scientific. And this is where I understand, but I don't agree with. First things first, for the efficiency, there are other three more things that come with this. So when I say efficiency, I mean complete proteins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that. Higher absorption and opportunity cost. So complete proteins is a myth. <laughs> so it, what, I hope that everybody watching right now was not about to say, oh, my God, look at this brainwashed person. Complete proteins are a myth. And what I mean by that is that while animal proteins, animal flesh, do have all the essential amino acids we need to thrive, you don't need to get it all from one food. Our bodies are not stupid. If you eat rice in the morning and beans for lunch, you're fine. You don't even have to have them in the same <laughs> meal. People go ballistic. They're like, oh, you, you, have to, yes. you have to have all the Lego pieces. You have to have a building made right now. Like here, like, like no. And your body will use those amino acids when they're needed. And you'll store them even. To get a complete proteins, you just need to eat a variety of foods. And... That brings me to opportunity cost, which the opportunity cost, you're, you're, you're paying for convenience. You're paying for high protein, complete protein, very easy in one meal. The opportunity cost of that is phytonutrients and fiber. So while lean meats can be good for short term, trying to get people nourished, trying to get people have to, have to get enough protein, to get enough B vitamins, to get enough phosphorus, zinc, iron, whatever. What you're missing out on are things like beta carotene, anthocyanins. You're not getting those antioxidants and anti-inflammatory components that are literally only found in significant amounts in plants when you eat animal flesh. So that's the opportunity cost. So you pick which one is better and... All the research is pointing towards, hey, look at the plants. The plants are actually really good. You should eat more of them. All-cause mortality drops significantly. So there's that. And there's also fiber. We know, research shows that Americans, I don't know about Canadians, probably too, most of the Western world, they just don't eat enough fiber. Mm -hmm. Because what are they eating? Meat. They're eating 
flesh. They're eating secretions, ovulations, things that have no fiber. The protein sources that are from plants also have fiber. It's beautiful. And fiber is great for our gut microbiome, which more research is showing that has a link to our mental health, to our mood, to our cognition, to our memory. We know that people that consume more fiber just die less. Like they don't get heart attacks (laughs) because fiber is like cleansing, you know, our body of these saturated fats of these cholesterol. Yeah. And I would say eating a high fiber diet, as I guess I do, since I primarily eat whole foods and my diet is plant-based, it's great. Like maybe TMI, but when I go to the bathroom, I've got ghost poops. Like I barely have to use any toilet paper. It's amazing. Yeah. And some of my, I guess, friends, colleagues, whoever, people in my life, they seem to spend a lot of time in the bathroom. I'm kind of yeah. like, well, that that sucks. <laughs> That's not efficient. I can do so much no. more with my day because I poop a few times a day. Great. You have so much more time. That's also kind of a lot. But yeah, it's just like 30 seconds. Done. <laughs> it's easy. And like, I guess even if we really want to get into this, if you're using less toilet paper, what is that good for? The environment. Let's exactly. go. <laughs> <If> you want <laughs> to save vegan. the environment, go vegan, use less toilet paper because your poops are amazing. Yeah, yeah your poops are great. And like this, that's not, it's not even a joke. Like my, my friends and family will come over to my home and leave saying, oh my God, my poops were great. <laughs> like within like three days, the gut microbiome can change within one meal. Three days, you start to see some significant um, difference. Within a month, you can completely change how your gut operates. And a lot of people, I do have to also mention this, I feel like since I have the platform, a lot of people will say, my, my, my stomach can't handle all that fiber. Of course mm. it can't. Yeah, you're right (laughs) now. But what about if you have half a cup of beans today? Yeah, you're going to fart. Sure. What about if you keep having that for a week and then in a month you're having a cup and then in two months you're adding some broccoli? You think you think you really think that you're going to like your stomach is not going to adapt. Like, again, our bodies are very intelligent. Just need time and consistency and placing more bets yes tying it back love the callback yeah. <laughs> yeah last thing i forgot to mention higher absorption so i'm not gonna sit here and lie and be like there is not higher absorption rates for iron and zinc and calcium and omega-3s from you know fish flesh and chicken breasts and whatnot i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i understand this and And like, okay, you just eat other foods. You just eat more of those foods. Like you eat more spinach, you eat more flax, you eat more greens, more fruits, more vegetables, more legumes, more seeds, nuts, grains. You just, you just eat more. And a lot of people will be like, I can't do vegan. My my energy is so low. It's like, okay, but you're eating like 1200 calories. Mm -hmm. Eat more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just eat more, eat more. You got to eat more and take a multivitamin. Like people are afraid of supplements, but you know what? 80% of people are deficient in one or more vitamins, probably vitamin D. And it's probably best if you just take a multivitamin, you'll be okay. People are scared of that. People People are also scared of long ingredient lists. You know what my hot take is? I want to see long ingredient lists. Because I mm. want to see a bunch of vitamins 
I want to see a bunch of enrichments added to my soy milk. So I know that if I drink a glass, I won't, I'm, if we're, or two or three, I won't have to take a B12 supplement. I think we're getting to the point where enough foods are enriched that this whole, oh, make sure you take a B12 supplement. It, it won't be as important as it is now. And all multivitamins have B12 in it. So there's also the question of absorption on that. And like to be safe, you still recommend B12 supplement. But if we, if you enrich all the substitutes with B12, zinc, iron, most people, they're going to be fine. I always forget to take my B12, honestly. And I think because my almond milk or soy milk, whatever I happen to buy, that's cheapest. It's fortified. So I've generally been fine, which is great. And about vitamin D, think yeah everybody or most people as you said are vitamin d deficient i think it's yeah, definitely just... a big problem for us here in canada maybe less for you down in florida yeah no i mean <laughs> still i mean i'm sitting in a closet right now you think i'm getting my vitamin d yeah, that's true and i'm in a basement so. <laughs> and also <laughs> no vitamin canada. d for us yeah canada. <laughs> no, absolutely the, the no latitudes skin color type of clothing mm. all, all affects vitamin d absorption yeah, i'm sure do you find that you have to learn certain concepts in in school, like lean meat is good for X, Y, Z. And then I assume you have to unlearn it after. I would unlearn is definitely a choice word. I, I wouldn't say it's unlearned because, you know, as I mentioned, I understand why. I get it. I'm not I'm not unlearning anything. What I am doing Right, you're is not unlearning sure... the science, right? To, sorry to interrupt you, but you're not unlearning no the science. Yeah, what I am doing is cringing every time I have to <laughs> I have to see that and reminding myself that while I acknowledge this, this is not the only way and I'm here to be an example of, you know, a dietitian that is not so entrenched in this. But if I get a question on an exam that's, you know, like this person had, you know, 6 feet of their bowel removed, um what is the most optimal protein? option for them. I cannot say beans. I, I, I can't say it because it's not, they might, they might not be able to digest it in these rare instances where people literally have inches of their stomach left and they have to consume like really dense sources of protein because protein is the building blocks of all life. Like, I don't want to like, th this is why I don't want to serve these people, unfortunately, right. but fortunately, there is a company that is making and serving and selling um, medical nutrition uh, for patients like these. So the company is called Kate Farms. I'm not affiliated in any way. And I don't know if you know this or if you're familiar with a brand called Ensure. I do know Ensure. Yeah, it's kind of like Boost. That's another similar. Yeah, that's another product. one. Yeah. So these are, these are kind of like medical nutritions. They're basically liquid supplements with macronutrients. So like your carbs, your fats, your proteins. And Kate Farms does Ensure, but plants. All good things, I think, is their, is their little motto, motto, mantra. And it tastes really good. <laughs> like I, I was really surprised. Um, like the plain one, you, you think plain things taste bad, but it had a really nice flavor. <laughs> like I was, I was really surprised and it's like liquid gold in the hospital that I worked at briefly because it's so expensive now. 
That's what dairy subsidies does, you know, it just mm-hmm. makes it unfair. <laughs> but I think eventually, you know, as they continue to grow, as people see success on these products, which they have, um, the cost will come down, you know, as production ramps up similar to anything. And hopefully we'll see price parity uh, relatively soon. Definitely. One can hope. So moving towards wrapping up, Danny, where can people find you online? Well, I'm glad you asked. So I think your audience would really appreciate the newsletters that I put out monthly. So at veganworldnow.online, veganworldnow.online, I post a series called the Monthly Hopium Injections. This is a funny little little name I came up to, you know, be different. And it's basically just a roundup of all the news articles related to veganism that kind of shows that the world is actually turning vegan. Like, for instance, Mayor Eric Adams in New York uh, recently got like 1,400 mayors across the United States to start adopting plant-based diets. Oh, that's amazing. That is is huge news. And this is the type of news that I I need other people to hear, especially us vegans who are, you know, we're constantly living in a non-vegan world and it's really hard to see progress. So I want to change that. I want people to stay hopeful, to stay vegan. And I think that my newsletters help that happen. And I post occasional essays every so often when I have the time. So yeah, veganworldnow.online. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you had fun. I had a great time. I learned a lot. I feel like I could listen to you talk for hours. Like I would come to a lecture by you. (laughs) That is so sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to do this and I'm happy to do it again even. Okay, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Danny. I definitely learned a lot. I think I could listen to Danny speak all day. And my favorite part of the conversation was the acknowledgement of vegan ghost poops. (laughs) Potty humor is my favorite. So if you would like to see more of Danny, then go subscribe to their monthly hopium injection newsletter at veganworldnow.online. So that's veganworldnow.online. In a world where being vegan is absolutely not the norm, I mean, that's why this podcast exists, because I want to help you learn to navigate this non-vegan world and thrive and all that. And... Also, in a world where much of the news related to veganism is quite negative, I can honestly say that Danny's newsletter is a breath of positive, fresh air. And that's it for now, so have a great day. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye!